Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Michelle K. Johnston on the line. Michelle, how are you? I'm doing well, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We already started talking a little bit in the pre-show and I said, wait a minute, we got to get recording on this because otherwise we're going to talk about everything and like, oh crap, I forgot to hit record. So why don't you share a little bit about you with the audience and we'll dive into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Michelle Johnston, and I'm an executive coach. I'm a management professor at Loyola in the business school, and I'm a first-time author of The Seismic Shift in Leadership, which is an Amazon bestseller, and I'm just enjoying the ride. Um, I was really fortunate, I feel like, to be on the front row a number of years ago, right before the pandemic, where I was witnessing this shift and really felt this calling that I had to get the message out there to help as many people, as many leaders as I could, um, because I was seeing a lot of leaders getting pushed out of organizations who were subscribing to that old command and control style that had been effective, or at least was the norm for so many years. Yeah, the timing of it is perfect because we're seeing this I mean, seismic shift is such an amazing title for it because I just, that's a, it's a natural thing for me, maybe not others and definitely for you, but it's, that's really what it is. It's a seismic shift in how leadership is not only from a situation of the old way of running, you know, very siloed, you know, org chart, all of this, which most people want nothing to do with anymore. They want more of a, holistic collaboration type of approach. And then you couple into the fact where and Deloitte just released a study, I think almost 70% of C-suite executives are thinking about leaving their job. Seven out of 10 leaders leaving their organizations, that is catastrophic. People don't under, they really underestimate what kind of impact, and you know this as well, if a leader leaves an organization, what that does to a company. So if it's a small business or a Fortune 500 organization, there's an impact with that. So your book is perfectly timed to address that and give leaders the tips and tools that they need to be able to navigate through these ever-changing waters that we find ourselves in. Thank you, Michael. I think so, for sure. I was just having a conversation with a leader yesterday about exactly what you just referred to. Um, She's worried that the CEO is about to leave, but we were able to deconstruct it. And if the CEO were to leave, he did a great job in that organization's business life cycle using that old command and control style of leadership. He did a great job of high growth of, of acquisitions, of the Goliath, really building this great company. And maybe now, if he were to leave, it's going to take a different style of leadership. And so I'm calling it, you know, a leader who can create a culture of connection, of true meaningful connection, rather than the old style, which inadvertently and oftentimes created cultures of fear. 
right? That command and control, although again, there are some personalities who find it very effective, like absolutely is a little bit more military-like, um, but now it really is going to take true meaningful connection and, and, and real vulnerability so that leaders feel and give themselves permission to show up as a whole person, not just this is my professional curated self, and I expect you to only bring your professional curated self to work. We just can't, that, that's just the toothpaste is not going back in the tube, Michael. We know that, right? And so when we're talking about the new world of work, we don't really know how that looks, but I can tell you one thing I know for sure. It is about seeing each person, whether it's virtually like you and I are doing on Zoom, seeing the person as a whole person personally and professionally and getting to know them and showing that you care about them. It's not just all business and all results. The leaders who are really succeeding will begin their meetings with, whoa, 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 I know we have a whole lot to accomplish and we're going to get there and cram it in, but I care about you. I want to hear, how were your vacations? I was on a call yesterday and this particular leader is the chief financial officer of an almost 40,000 person company. It's financially having a tough time. And yet that, that once a month meeting with his team members, he's got 13 of them on this Zoom. He took 10 minutes out of that whole meeting to say, I want to hear about your vacations. Give me the highlights. And he had already created enough of psychological safety and trust that some of them were able to be really vulnerable and say, I wish I had good news. We all got COVID. We spent our entire vacation at the beach, you know, inside and and quarantined. Sad to tell you that. But that was okay to share. He, in that particular, he knew that he didn't have to say, oh, had a great beach vacation. What about you all? I'll give you another example, Michael. This was fascinating. It was during the pandemic. And one of my leaders, I was on the, the team meeting with him and, and he went last and he said, I just want to you know, see on a scale of one to 10, how are you all doing? And they went around eight, eight, seven, eight, nine, eight, eight, seven, nine, ten. And then he went last and he said, wow, I, I guess I'm surprised. I, I got to tell you, I'm having a really hard time. I thought this was over. I thought COVID was over. Now we're hit with another strain. I'm struggling. And he said, I'm just curious. Now that I've really put it out there, I'm going to go around and ask you again on a scale of one to 10. All of a sudden, Michael was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, I'm really suffering to a five. But until that leader gave them permission to be human, they felt like they had eight out of 10. I'm fine. It reminds me of what Alan Mulally did when he took over Ford Motor Company. And, you know, he had the you know, executive meeting and everybody knew that Ford was bleeding big time. They were losing a ton of money. And all the reports and spreadsheets and all that were saying, oh, things are awesome. Things are great. Kind of like that meme of the, the dog that's drinking a cup of coffee with fire all around. Well, that was Ford Motor Company when Mulally took it over. And finally, you know, he, he gave them that psychological safety. Could you be truthful? And then finally, one of the division leads presented something that was in the red. And then the next week, they all showed up with their reports and everything was in the red and he was thrilled. He's like, okay, now we know where we stand. And it's the same thing that the example you gave is until people have that safety to be able to say what's going on and without condemnation or guilt or judgment, 
they're going to say, oh, things are awesome. You know, eight out of 10, nine out of 10, life's great. You know, when in fact, they're a caregiver for their parent, their kids are misbehaving, transmission went out in one of their cars, all the things that we have in life are happening to people and they have to show up and put this fake mask, not just the mask to protect ourselves, but a a fake mask to kind of hide what's really going on in the world. And uh, I'm thankful that there are leaders out there that are walking the walk and saying, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm batting a two out of 10 right now. And uh, what's everybody else doing? And that's, that's critical. Michael, I love your analogy because Marshall Goldsmith is my mentor and he was Alan Mulally's coach, executive coach. And so he formed, Marshall formed this group called 100 Coaches and he brings us together on Mondays globally around the world to really talk about issues. And he talks about that example you just referred to when Alan Mulally took over at Ford and said, we're going to follow what's called the business plan review. And I want to know updates. Are you a red? a green or a yellow. And you were absolutely right. They were bleeding money. And yet the first couple of meetings, everybody on his team said, oh, we're green. And he said, how can we be a green when we're bleeding money? And But he had to right, create that psychological safety. Marshall actually put us together in groups and he calls it the life plan review. And, and, and so every Monday, he put us in these groups of people that we had never met. And we had to create Excel spreadsheets on our life goals, whether they were red, green, or yellow. So we had to go through that experience every week. And you know, it is interesting until you feel safe and until you feel like you can trust these people that you're thrown on this team with, then you start, you know, showing up like, oh, I was supposed to exercise five out of the seven days this week. I didn't exercise at all. I'm giving myself a big giant red light. That didn't work well. But until you you really trust one another, you're less likely to do that, right? It, it's really, I find all of this fascinating. Michael, you're not going to believe what I listened to last night. It was a podcast by um, a guy who is into quantum physics and how it relates to transformational leadership. And it goes along with exactly what, you, what we're talking about. He talks about that if you are show up in the workplace with this um, with this state of mind that li- that you're a victim and that life does things to you, then you're creating this anxiety and this stress, right? And then that creates this other state for others, which is so then you feel like you need to control life. So it's life by me. So I'm asserting power and control because I'm feeling so unsafe and anxious and stressed. And then that creates burnout. I mean, this podcast was fascinating about just how you show up and that energy that you bring, even on Zoom, it's palpable and how that affects the entire team. Yeah. And that's one of the things that a lot of leaders struggled with initially when we were all sent home in March of 2020. And we had to do the the Brady Bunch Zoom screen with everybody. And a lot of people weren't comfortable with that. You know, they struggled with it. But, you know, going back to you know the stuff with uh, Marshall, one of the things that it does when you have psychological safety, there's a second component that kicks in. It's called accountability. And you're accountable to those people. And, you know, they're accountable to you as fellow coaches to, okay, I'm going to be 
call, not necessarily called to the carpet. That's an old school management thing. You don't want to do that, but you're going to be held accountable. So, okay, well, you know, why didn't you work out last week? Well, my mom needed this trip and I had to do this. And then I had all these things, you know, they're all excuses. Yes. But the reasons for why you may not have been able to do it, but you, at least you recognize, okay, I've got the support from these people and the encouragement. It's like, okay, well, you know, pick back up this week. You, know, you didn't get it done this week. Next week, you'll be able to do it. And that encouragement and support is so pivotal for leaders. And you know, we know many leaders feel like they're on an island, uh, especially if they don't collaborate with other leaders, either within their organization or outside of it. If you can't collaborate with somebody within your organization, by all means, collaborate with some leaders outside of your company because you need that you know, sounding board, you need that support, the accountability, the kick in the butt, whatever it takes to be able to be the best leader that you can be. You are so right. And, and Michael, a lot of, you know, leaders who are skeptical of this, the seismic shift, it's not that they're skeptical of the seismic shift, they're skeptical of, wait, Michelle, so you're telling me it's all about connection right now to be successful. Well, I've got hardcore results that I need. I need to hold my people accountable. Are you telling me to be soft? I can't be soft. And not at all. I'm, I'm not saying to be soft. I'm all about results and I'm all about accountability. But in this era that we're in, in 2022, you just can't get the results that you want. If you want to increase revenue by 30% and you're in charge of a team that's supposed to do that, that's charged with that, you really do have to go slow to go fast. You have to really build time in to create this this. Connection. So I'm not talking about connections like networking, utilizing your, your network and who you know. I'm talking about meaningful connections so that you're connected with yourself so that you can show up as your total authentic self, right? And then and then the, that allows you when you're not hiding pieces and, and parts of yourself, when you're not pretending that everything is fine and wonderful. That's what I mean about connection with yourself. And, and Marshall and I differ on this. He's like, you can't just show up authentically. You're not going to get ahead like that. Well, I think that goes back to that old command and control. People thought that you just had to, like you said, wear this mask of perfection. But people see through that. And we need more, especially on these Zoom calls. We need you to be real. That's what I mean is just show up real. I'm not saying become a therapist. I don't, you know, I think some leaders are scared. Well, if I ask all of my people, how are they doing? And they tell me they're not doing well, then is that on me and I have to do something about it? No, 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 no. Just by asking and beginning a meeting like that, it shows your people that you care and and that they're seen. So my definition of meaningful connection, which I think is the seismic shift, it takes meaningful connection is, do your people feel seen, heard, valued, and appreciated. And if you can say yes to those four things, then you have that connection with them and they will walk through fire. I told one of my leaders yesterday, I came off of a team meeting with him and he said, God, I love my team. I said, "We've you've created such a cohesive team. They will walk through fire for you. Those are the results that you get. So you got to go slow to go fast. It reminds me of, I used to work in healthcare and I took over an organization that was a few years old. And historically, they had 86, almost 90% annual turnover. And these are masters educated and above 
healthcare clinicians and healthcare professionals. It was a turnstile in the organization. And after one year of being there, I reduced that to 6%, so less than 10%. And I didn't, using a Jack Welch term, dehire a bunch of people. There was a couple people that uh, weren't the right fit for the organization. I brought in a couple people to replace them. But I created a culture where it was safe. I listened to them. I asked them, what do you need to do to make this job amazing for you to come to work every day and do what you want to do? And we had it in the budget because historically they were a little tight as far as not spending money. They had the money to spend. So made the investments, gave everybody the tools that they needed, made sure that I was around and would check in and ask them literally, how are you doing? And then I got out of their way and I let them do their job and made sure that they were successful. And that created increased productivity. We were doing better programming. We were adding additional services to the community. It was, it was magical to watch, but it wasn't magic. It was just connecting with people, making sure that they felt safe and gave them the opportunities to basically design their job the way that they could do their job within the guidelines of everything that they needed to accomplish, but they did it. And it just made things so much better. It was a fun place to work. And when I went in there, it certainly was. And it was like going into a a morgue. It was like, oh, this is not going to be easy. But I knew what I needed to do. And it took a year and changed uh, the direction of that organization forever. And I'm thrilled that I had the opportunity to do that. And I'm also thrilled that I've learned from leaders, you know, that have showed me, you know, the proper way to to lead, in my opinion. Of course, there's a variety of different flavors, but the way that I lead, you know, when you get cards from former employees saying they miss you and you were the greatest boss ever, uh, it's not like, you know, getting that, you know, great dad ever, great mom ever card from your three-year-old kid. But when you get it from a grown adult um, and just unsolicited, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. And go, okay, I think I've, I've touched a nerve, I think, and um, I'm doing my worldly impact as best I could. Well, you had mentioned one of the key, most essential leadership skills is listening. And yet I find it still is so underrated and it's not done as well. People say, yeah, I'm a good listener. But then if I conduct a 360 and I start coaching this leader, I find out out of you know scale of one to 10, their people gave them a five, which is a failing grade on their listening because they just ask lots and lots of questions and try to solve all the problems. That's one of the mistakes that high-level leaders get into, right? When you're moving up through the organization, your job is to fix problems and to try to know everything about your business. But the higher you get, the more strategic you have to get, which means you have to pull up, which means you really have to empower, let go, and give enough space which oftentimes means you need to speak last, not first. You need to be okay with silence because when you're in a leadership position, your whisper is a shout. That's just one of the coolest articles I remember reading by, um, by a guy out of Columbia. And he conducted this search that said so many leaders don't recognize if they only ask questions during a meeting and they don't give any positive feedback or show appreciation, their people feel completely judged. When, they, when the leader says nothing at all, they assume the worst. When the leader does all the talking, meaning your whisper is a shout. You have to be really intentional with the words you use, and you have to be a really good listener. 
it's something that has definitely made my career successful and kind of helps when you're a podcast host too, that listen, that we listen for cues for things to talk about if you haven't uh, done your homework, which thankfully I, I do. Uh, but I, I, one last question before we wrap up in, in your book, and I always ask authors this if I try to remember to anyway, is, is there a particular chapter or section of the book that you're most proud of or on the flip side, was there one that was a bit of a struggle to kind of get through because it, it was such a, again, I want to don't use the pun, but a seismic shift away from uh, the leadership that, you know, that you've grew up with and experienced in your career? Yeah, I think the chapter on giving up perfection was challenging because I'm a recovering perfectionist, right? I was raised as a very, I was very... Um, I was kind of an achievement addict, right? I loved accomplishing goals. And, and I think I think that I do a lot of self-disclosure in this book because I, I want people to know that I've stumbled so many times, that this is not me coming out of the womb saying, oh, you just need to be a great connector. I have failed many times um, and then realized, whoa, I was too achievement focused, too task oriented, and too set on just kind of being perfect. And that only gets negative results because you're too hard on yourself and you're not real and people detect that. And then you're so hard on your people that again, it creates that culture of fear. So giving up perfection is vital. I just posted on LinkedIn, I gave a keynote to a junior achievement event um, and I, I loved it. And I wore this hot pink dress and the photographer sent pictures of me up on stage and there's this gigantic wrinkle that never went away. Like it was like something was, it was just bizarre right in the front of my dress. And I posted immediately and said, I love this picture because I was talking about giving up perfection. And here's this big giant wrinkle. And maybe 10 years ago, I would have thought, oh, could somebody Photoshop that out? And now I'm like, embrace the wrinkle. It makes you real. It makes you relatable. We're not trying to be perfect. Perfect. You just have to give up perfection. So that was hard for me just because I had been trying to attain that for so long. So now I say progress, not perfection. Perfection's not good. Don't try for it. Just progress every day a little bit better. Or a phrase a good friend of mine uses, perfectly imperfect is something that she strives for. And even I had an interview earlier this morning with Adam Strong over in Europe. And I love Adam Strong. Yeah, we, we him and I are buds. We, we chat quite a bit. And, you know, during the interview, you know, one of his uh, kids, you know, started up a conversation with him and, you know, he's like muting it and apologizing. Like the one thing that this pandemic, in my opinion, has made better is we're all more accustomed to the dogs or the cats or the kids or the spouses walking in on an interview or in a conversation. It's, it's life. And I think as leaders, that's one of the things we have to remember is don't forget to live. And if you live and you enjoy life, that's going to make your leadership even better. And too often we silo ourselves. Okay, it's time to put on leadership face and we get all robotic and business-like and boardroom laugh and all of that kind of good stuff instead of just being real 
and you know, being totally nobody wants to work for a robot. Nobody wants to mm-hmm. be have the expectations that they have to show up as a robot. I could not agree with you more, Michael. Can you help me out? Years ago, years ago, there was this clip that went viral all across the nightly news because there was this diplomat over in Europe who was getting interviewed on some foreign relations big crisis, and his two kids and and kept running into the room, and then the nanny kept running in and pulling them back, and this. This poor guy had this look of terror on his face like he had been caught and and that would i hope that wouldn't happen these days it can't happen he would hopefully just say oh hey so sorry i know i'm being interviewed on nbc tonight my, my kids are in the background you know we're all in, in this apartment together i mean you just have to be real you're absolutely right and real leaders are the successful ones. So, Michelle, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you, your new book, and all this awesome work you're doing? Oh, thank you so much. Yes, The Seismic Shift in Leadership. And you can go to my website, michellekjohnston.com. And it's got all of my podcasts and my book. And I just launched my own podcast called The Seismic Shift. And we're going to continue this conversation of how we all, as humans, can be successful in this new era of work. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So again, congratulations on everything and continued success. Thank you for making a dent in the universe when it comes to leadership, Michelle. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. I really enjoyed talking with you this morning. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.